continuing on this morning in our study in the book of Proverbs. So go ahead and turn to chapter 5 in your Bible or electronic device, however you choose to get the Word of God. I like having the Bible on my phone where I can, not that I don't like uh, paper, but it's, 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 it's always here, right? It's always right there. So you can grab it at a moment's notice. Well, like most young boys growing up, uh, my dad taught me things about life. Any, uh, any, anyone concur with that? Yeah. Um, things that have stuck with me over the course of time. Uh, one of those things that he taught me was, you know, you can accomplish anything that you set your mind to do as long as you don't quit, you don't give up. Keep trying even if you fail. That was one. Uh, another one was about girls. And he said, you know, don't ever not ask a girl out because you're afraid that she might say no. He said, because really, if you don't ask her, you've already got a no, right? So what do you have to lose? So it's already a no, right? And it, it's interesting. I've actually applied that same principle uh, all through life, not only with girls, um, <laughs> but with, uh, you know, uh, calling uh, customer service when I have a, an issue with an item. If, if it's broken or, you know, I need this or that, and it's like, I already have a no, I might as well call and say, hey, I've got this problem, what can we do about it, you know, that kind of thing. So it, it gets you out of your comfort zone, you know, but um, still... Good, good life principles. And I'm sure if we went around the room this morning and say, what was that life principle that your dad taught you that, you know, has, has stuck with you through the years, we could get some interesting ones and probably be here until noon. But anyway, um, the, the book of Proverbs often takes this kind of fatherly tone with children teaching, uh, like a father speaking, wanting to teach children something that's going to uh, benefit their lives uh, or to warn them about something that may look good on the outside uh, you know, going in but in the end is not going to uh, pan out too well you know giving the benefit of life experience and that's exactly the kind of thing that we have going on in Proverbs chapter 5 beginning at verse 1 Proverbs says this my son be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps to the path of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and body are consumed, and you say, How I hated discipline, and my heart despised reproof, I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear 
to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Now here you have a father giving a warning to his sons, a warning about the forbidden woman. This is most likely uh, referring to prostitution, uh, but could be applied to an adulterous relationship as well. Right? He speaks about the temptation. Her lips drip honey, her speech smoother than oil. She knows just the right thing to say, right? To lure a man in. But in the end, verse 4, she is bitter as wormwood. According to uh, Erdman's Bible Dictionary, wormwood is a small uh, shrub-like plant known for its bitter taste, perhaps used uh, years ago for uh, like epicac to make a person vomit, right? It was that disgusting. Uh, but all biblical references, according to Erdman, uh, that uh, refer to wormwood are metaphors for bitterness and sorrow. So in the end, this father is warning his sons, this is going to end in bitterness and in sorrow. And the warning goes on, if we read through, to speak of the physical, emotional, and financial toll of not heeding this warning. And you may say, Pastor Ron, this is really good advice, but this isn't really applying to me today. And I'm glad that it's not. Uh, not that prostitution is not still a problem in our world today. Not that adultery is not a problem in our world today. Um, but there is another even more devastating scourge in our society that is most likely affecting you, your family, or someone that you know. In fact, it has reached the stage of what a lot of scholars are calling an epidemic. And if this chapter in Proverbs were written today to reach the most uh, biggest section of our society, I believe it would be addressing the problem of pornography. Focus on the family poll from October uh, 2003, okay, 20 years ago, revealed that 47% of families said that pornography was a problem in their home. That's 20 years ago, right? Now, I'm not going to get real graphic with this today, but I believe that this is something that the church needs to understand, the church needs to know about, the church needs to address and talk about, because it is having this kind of effect um, on families, on our society. We need to talk about it in order to empower families to talk about it, to deal with it. I obviously had to be careful myself in the research for this. Um, but according to Webroot, a, a maker of antivirus and security software, they said this, the societal costs of pornography are staggering. The financial cost to business productivity in the U.S. alone is estimated at $16.9 billion annually. People spending time on their computers instead of on the job, right? But the human toll, according to a software company, particularly among our youth and in our families, is far greater. It goes on to quote Patrick Fagan, PhD, psychologist and former deputy assistant, health and human services secretary, who wrote this. 
Pornography hurts adults, children, couples, families, and society. Among adolescents, pornography hinders the development of a healthy sexuality. And among adults, it distorts sexual attitudes and social realities. In families, pornography use leads to marital dissatisfaction, infidelity, separation, and divorce. He says this, the digital revolution is being used by younger and younger children to dismantle the barriers that channel sexuality into family life. Let me give you some stats this morning that this software company has tabulated. Every second, 28,258 users are watching pornography on the internet. Every second, $3,075.64 is being spent on pornography on the internet. Every day, 2.5 billion emails containing porn are sent or received. Every day, 68 million search queries related to pornography are generated, which is a quarter of all searches on the internet. Other stats that WebRoot gives. 35% of all internet downloads are related to pornography. 34% of internet users have experienced unwanted exposure to pornographic content through ads, pop-up ads, misdirected links or emails, which, as we know, is an easy gateway to more, right? That along with what you and I see every day on TV, in movies, even in commercials, right? is just all pointing in another direction, grabbing a hold of minds and hearts. It's an easy great way, gateway. Uh, popular author and Christian apologist Josh McDowell, you've probably heard that name, he's done research on this topic for decades. He says that research in the United States has shown that 66% of men and 41% of women consume pornography on a monthly basis. And unfortunately, he's also found that there's not much difference between the church and the rest of the world. Focus on the family reports that in a study spanning 1995 through 2015, researchers discovered extensive use of pornography between or among tweens and teens in the U.S., and other countries, with 12 to 17-year-olds being the largest group of internet porn users. Wow. Psychology Today on their website reported that in 2004, again, we're talking 20 years ago, testimony before the United States Senate, Dr. Jill Manning testified that in her research, she found that 56% of divorce cases involved one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. Dissatisfaction, distrust, feelings of not being good enough, destroying marriages and homes. According to addictioncenter.com, which provides referrals to therapists and treatment centers for drug, alcohol, and other addictions, porn affects the brain itself similar to drugs like heroin. Quote, when activated by porn, there is a combination of brain chemicals released which can cause issues including frontal lobe shrinkage, 
cravings and chemical bondings. In other words, highly addictive. Especially in some people. So, the results of all this, all these stats, looking at a bunch of other credible studies, we find that pornography, one, increases the odds of teenage pregnancy, raises the risk of depression, creates distorted expectations which hinder healthy sexual development, increases the infidelity rate by more than 300%, relaxed attitudes towards objectifying and even violence against women, and of course fueling this multi-billion dollar industry leads to human trafficking, which is gaining more and more and more ground. Let me quote again from Dr. Patrick Fagan. Pornography hurts adults, children, couples, families, and society. It hinders the development of healthy sexuality. And among adults, it distorts sexual attitudes and social realities. In families, pornography use leads to marital dissatisfaction, infidelity, separation, and divorce. In one word, wormwood. Bitterness and sorrow. The biggest problem in our day and our time, um, I mean, all you guys are probably going to resonate with this. You know, 50 years ago, you had to either, you know, steal something that belonged to an older guy or go to a store or this kind of thing. These kids have it right here on their phone 24 7. It is so available, right? Uh, so accessible to everyone, even kids. And, and there are uh, just, and, and their technology, these kids are good with their phones and they can hide stuff and all, you know, it's, it's a hard problem, especially for parents, grandparents who are unaware, it, it makes it difficult to monitor. So based on overwhelming evidence, this is a problem that you and I are facing at some level. It's most likely negative affecting, negatively affecting individuals, couples, and families that you and I know, maybe even some of us here. And let me say this as someone who was caught in this trap 20 years ago, thank God for his deliverance, there is a way out to those that are caught in it. Okay? I am living proof of that and am available to help. Uh, number two, one of the biggest tools of the enemy in this, I found this in my own life, is to get people to hide in a lonely closet of shame. Okay? You get just overwhelmed with the shame and you can't tell anybody because nobody else is dealing with this because everybody else is a wonderful, you know, got everything under control, good Christian kind of thing. So I'm hiding in my, in my closet of shame. And that's where the enemy keeps us to try to battle on our own, which is not very effective, let me tell you. Um, everybody has struggles. Even the Apostle Paul 
said in Romans chapter 7, he said, you know, I have things that I don't want to do that I find myself doing. That's the Apostle Paul. So let's get this straight. Everybody has struggles. Everybody has temptations. Okay? Um, a huge, huge step towards getting freedom from this kind of thing is getting out of that closet and coming out into the light with someone that you trust. Number three, can't stress this highly enough. God is not disgusted with people that are caught in this or any other temptation struggle. Can I, can, can I say that again? For people that are caught in this, whether it's someone here, someone online, someone in our family, someone that we know, God is not disgusted with them and holding them at arm's length. No. God loves us. He wants to heal, empower, and restore. That's the God we serve. But we have to do our part as well. The first thing we have to do is to recognize that this is a serious problem, even in Christianity. Okay? This is something that needs to be taken very seriously. Because that century-old warn centuries-old warning in Proverbs still applies. Pornography with its anonymity, its accessibility, and never saying no is a very slippery slope, and in the end, Wormwood. It will take its toll physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, financially. Okay? It is a downward spiral into a very deep pit. So, recognizing that, as we keep with the fatherly wisdom in Proverbs here, what can we do? What can we do? Well, first we can pray, right? We can pray and seek the Lord on this issue. Talk to the Lord about it. Then we can open up discussions as couples, right? And with children, talk about these issues and bring any problems, any indiscretions into the light, breaking that power of secrecy. Then with understanding and grace, Right? and encouragement and support, we can work through issues together. We can also take advantage of technology. I'll tell you right now, I have, block, I have had blocking software and accountability partners through the years on all my devices. I, 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 I like to say that I do that as an example. Um, I, I like to believe that, that God has uh, delivered me and... Um, but hey, I'm human, right? So it's a very good thing. to you, you, We can take good uh, advantage of technology that's out there. And uh, uh, as a matter of fact, I got a hold of my accountability partner this week, and I said, uh, I'm preaching on Proverbs 5. I'm going to be talking about porn. And uh, you, you're probably going to get an email because there's going to be some, some websites and uh, some search terms that are flagged here. So just let you know beforehand. But he can see all the sites, you know, um, that are there. So 
that's a good thing. What else can we do? We can follow the advice of Proverbs 5 and we can fight this at heart level. Look at verse 15. Proverbs 5.15, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Verse 18, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Or as 1 Corinthians 7.2 says, bring it into the New Testament, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, Paul knew about it, it was there in the early church, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. It's all a part of being dedicated to the Lord, to glean from His wisdom and His ways, following Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we covered some months ago, you know, God gave us His design for sex, didn't He? Within the bounds of marriage. One man, one woman in a covenant committed relationship. And it's not because God, you know, was, was looking to put rules on things so he could make good moral people. What was he doing in giving us his design? He was protecting us from wormwood. He was protecting us from all of these issues. Right? Giving us good, sound boundaries for our lives. It's, it's, it's protection for individuals, couples, families, even society. Imagine if everybody lived according to those two commandments, right, that Mike talked about this morning. He loves us. The best way to beat this or any temptation is to recognize that love, receive that love, respond to that love and develop our relationship with Jesus. Amen? If I can say one thing that, that, was, that was turning point, pivotal for me, um, out, outside of coming out and, and, and um, of the, that secret closet and bringing it into the light with a trusted friend, um, pivotal for me and needing needing to face my wife with the truth. Um, the, the other pivotal thing was when God revealed that he wasn't disgusted with me, when God revealed that he still loved me, even though I was struggling. And I'll tell you, when I, I just, I fell in love with him all over again, and that relationship became more precious to me than this other stuff. So developing, not, not a religion, not, not a following of rules, but developing that personal relationship with Jesus is the key for beating all this stuff. For, for all temptations, right? So, because He loves us immensely, wants us to have our best life possible. He knows our failures. He knows our weakness. He knows us inside and out. We're not, we're not hiding anything from Him, right? That's why He sent His Son to bear our sins, our faults, our failures on that cross so that He could then forgive us, cleanse us, fill us with His Holy Spirit 
and lead us on the path to life. That's what it's all about. Right? He is there for us. And whether it's this or, or other issues that we face, we need to understand. He understands. Right? Part, part, part of the whole beauty of the gospel is that God became a man. Do you, do you think for, for one minute that Jesus, especially at times of his, his um, popularity, he had a, a human male body. He had women probably, you know, very enthused with who he was as a powerful miracle worker and stuff like this. You know, he ate and drank, the Bible says, with tax collectors and prostitutes. It's not like he was never tempted, right? He understands these things. And he came to break the power in our lives. He came to fill us with himself so that we could overcome in his power and strength right? through that relationship with him. Amen? It's a serious issue. These stats, you know, I knew some of them. I went to a conference years ago where they talked about 40% of pastors struggling in this area. And if that's pastors, how much more, you know. Serious issue. It's, it's, it's there. But we can beat it. We can beat it. Openness, discussion, prayer, understanding, right? Developing that relationship with Him. Technology, everything, you know, layer upon layer together. And avoid these pitfalls that can happen. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you for your incredible love for us. Tough topic, not one of my favorite sermons, <laughs> um, but it's uh, something we got to know about, Lord. As the church, we can't can't bury our heads in the sand and and act like this isn't happening. Kids, grandkids, it's there. Help us, Lord. Help us to understand. To not only understand the problem, but to understand people and struggles. Whether it is a child, a grandchild, a spouse, Lord. To bring understanding and grace and love and encouragement. You know how much my wife's encouragement meant to me. Oh God, help us. You call us, Lord, to rise above. Not, not in our own strength. Not that that we can be better than other people because we're Christians. No, Lord, you, you've given us your spirit to help us. 
We rise above in you, through you, by you. Guide us, Lord. Whether it's this, alcohol, drugs, whatever the temptation, whatever the issue, whatever the struggle. Draw us close. Let your love change us from the inside out. We give you praise, honor, and glory. <laughs> On Veterans Day, Lord, we got, we got battles. We got battles. Lead us, Lord, as your word says, in your triumph, for your glory. Through Christ we pray.